Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Who's ready for some football? We're closing in. It's right around the corner. Three and a half weeks to go before the Utes play Weber State in the season opener. And then BYU and Arizona. Intriguing game. Expect BYU to win that. But... And he said five guys to the NFL in the draft. Another eight guys uh, went as free agents. I think the question right now is with three starters on offense drafted, uh, Christensen off the offensive line, Wilson at quarterback, and obviously losing a star receiver as well. So the question is, how good is the BYU offense right now? As camp gets rolling, Aaron Roderick, BYU offensive coordinator fielding that question. How did the quarterbacks look on day one? Good, not great. But day one, um, did a lot of good things. It's The install is kind of limited, so you don't have a lot of a lot of your best plays aren't in yet. And we have a really good defense. Our, our defense is good. Anyone on the offense do anything to stand out in particular? Yeah, Neil Pau. Neil Pau's picked up right where he left off last year. He's a really good player. Um, Tyler and Peeney look good. And Dallin Holker was looks like he never left. Yep. Good. Did a lot of good things. In the observation period, we didn't see Puka and Samson play. Did, did they compete at all in practice? Yeah. Day? Yeah, they were, They played the whole time. I, I don't know. Maybe I, If they weren't in, it was just Fessy's choice. They, they played. They were both out there and both. They bring a lot of they bring a lot to our offense. Experience, toughness. Uh, both of them, both of them had really good moments today. It's a good addition to our team. How does it feel to be back? It's fun. Yeah, it's great to be back. But we're trying to keep that same edge we had a year ago when we were just practicing for days, not even knowing who we were playing. That's kind of our theme this year: is to keep that same edge, that same. Uh, love for the game when we were just out there every day just working to get better keep trying to stack a bunch of good days together and see what happens have you been able to sense a new appreciation from the guys for this kind of this time right now because of what you they went through last year and all of that I think so but we're going to keep talking about that because we need to make sure we keep appreciating it you know yeah because a year ago it's a tough year for a lot of people. I mean, we, we, we made the most of it. We did a good job, I think, making the most of it. But um, we don't want to lose sight of that, of how precious every opportunity is, every every rep of every day. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a gift, and we got to make the most of it. So with the success that you had last year, how do you keep that momentum going, especially with a new quarterback? Um, try and figure that out. You know, now we, we, we just need to continue to perform and practice at the same level we did a year ago. We have good players in this program. We're, our depth is better than it's been any time since I've been here. And even though the schedule is tougher, we've got good enough players to win those games. But it's just a matter of, like I was saying earlier, we have to continue to practice every day you know, with that chip on our shoulder that we've got something to prove. Because most people don't care what we did last year, you know. It's, yeah. it's, it's no, you know, for, for some people there's an asterisk by it, and for others it's, you know, it's just over now. It's time to move on. And so we got to keep that hunger, that chip on our shoulder to prove something, you know. 
You mentioned the depth, though. What position maybe do you feel is the, is the deepest right now on day one? Um, we've got a good tight end group, some good players in that group, and our receiver depth is the best it's been since I've been here. Um, and then O-line-wise, I really like – we've got a big group of guys. There's there's about six guys that have played a lot that are proven players that I have a lot of faith in. And then after that, there's a lot of good guys to work with. we got to find out who those guys are. But the total number of them, it's, it's higher than it's ever been, too, since I've been here. Like, there's got 18 offensive linemen out there. That's a lot. And um, – all of them have a chance to play here someday. So we have to figure out who those, who's number seven, eight, nine in that group. Um, but the top six are really good. They're, I don't expect any drop off there. How much live action will you have the you know, quarterbacks go through in camp, if, if at all, uh, in terms of you know, contact or anything like that? None. They won't get tackled in camp. First time they get hit will be in the first game. Does, does that concern you at all with uh, Jaren's history? Yeah, I mean, he, um, yes and no. I mean, we can't change anything. We're just, we're just going to run our offense and play. And if he wins the job, then then uh, we'll just roll, you know. But sure, he, that, and that's why we're going to practice smart. But um, we did the same thing last year, though. The QBs didn't get hit last year till the first game, and it was fine. And I've been on a lot of teams where that happens. You don't, you don't. I, I think that's not a critical thing unless you're you know I don't know I don't think it's a big deal with this install how many practices do you use to install what you want to do and then where is the meat of the competition between these three is that next week or we'll have most of our offense in by the, by uh, middle of next week we'll be close to the entire offense so yeah Wednesday Thursday of next week it's almost all in after that it's just a a play here, a play there, specialized situation stuff. So I would say by middle of next week, um, you'll, we'll start to get a good idea of who everybody is. You know, we've got, we've got a lot of position battles. You know, who's the third running back? Who's the fourth running back? Those are some interesting, interesting situations that are going to be fun to, fun to watch. You're in a new role, technically. This is your, you've been an offensive coordinator in the past, but how different is it today versus what it's been since you've been here? Not that much different because all the coaches and our staff, we just kept everything the same as far as staff responsibilities. Everybody's doing the same thing that they did a year ago. And we, we miss Grimey. He was a great coach, but he was an extra. We had six on offense. And so because everyone's just doing their normal roles, it didn't feel much different than, than it's felt the last couple of years. So uh, you know, now we have five and five. Coach Clune on defense gave them one more coach. We have one less, but we're all doing the same responsibilities, so it just felt like another day of work. Last couple questions. What'd you do for the trade? Hmm? What'd you do for the trade in return? <laughs> <laughs> we got Al Papunum. That's what we got. <laughs> Kalani mentioned uh, you know, back at Media Day that he wants to see the team consistently at their best every single snap, every single day. Where do you feel like the, the offense was at their best today in day one? Uh, the team, the team period there to end practice. I thought we had some good plays. They weren't all great, but for day one, and the number of different lineups and different combinations that are in there, you got, you know, in any given play, you might have four or five guys that really know what they're doing, and two or three others that kind of don't. 
um, I thought there was a lot of good plays in that session there for uh, for a day one. And of the newcomers on the offensive side, all ex- are they all here that you were expecting to show up, or are there still some guys that you're waiting on? Uh, yes, everyone's here. Aaron, at media day you talked about a timeline, kind of best case scenario, maybe mid mid fall camp. Is that still kind of what you're looking at after seeing them fall today? Yeah, I, I think so. Middle middle fall camp, if it goes a little longer, then it might because it's going to be – guys are good players. Um, but that would be ideal. Just whoever's going to start the game, you know, maybe has a, a week to ten days to really know it's his and be ready for the game. Uh, that's the ideal. Aaron, where have you improved as a play caller, do you think, developed as a play caller from the first time you were officially an OC to, to present day, would you say? I don't know. That's probably a better question for the people trying to defend us. There's Aaron Roderick from BYU camp. Now let's go to the Utes and head coach Kyle Whittingham. Uh, still no pads. We'll put the pads on tomorrow, which will give us an even better uh, gauge and look at uh, what we got. But so far through three days, uh, complete focus and concentration and and uh, pleased with how the new guys are picking things up and uh, are contributing already. So it's uh, been very positive to this point. Is it too soon to see any separation in your quarterbacks? Yeah, way too soon. You know, we haven't had any live work or, or uh, even working pads yet. And so, you know, middle of next week, we'll take a good hard look at that and see where we're at. You know, every day is evaluated, but but until uh, we get to about midweek next week, there's not going to be much to, to uh, compare yet. Will there be enough practice start to change once you put pads on for the first time? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it becomes much more physical and and uh, intense and uh, it becomes football. Right now we're running around in our underwear just, you know, just doing our thing. But I mean, it's meaningful and it's, it's, it serves a purpose, but uh, it's not real football yet. Will there be enough hitting to really figure out the running back depth chart or it'll be like a year ago where you were still using the first game to sort out the running backs to be determined you know it's uh i, I believe there'll be enough anyway two major scrimmages probably three or four practices that will have live work in addition to that and then another three or four practices that will be physical with gear on but no tackling to the ground so we should get a, a good enough gauge to see where things are but you never know for sure until you get in game situation and so unless it's absolutely clear cut before the first game uh you you may very well see the, the carries spread equally among the top guys early on and see who separates themselves. With Max no longer here, how big of an opportunity is this for guys like Van and X to take a step forward and maybe... Um, yeah. Couldn't be a bigger opportunity for those guys, and and they're both uh, excited about the uh, excited about that opportunity. And my guess is they'll answer the bell and, and do just fine. And Mickey Sugutaranga is the other guy in the mix there, and and uh, it's just you know it's an opportunity when 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 something happens to somebody, then it's somebody else's opportunity, and that's how they got to look at it. Are you guys trying to? Are, are you guys taking a look at guys from other positions right now, trying to find more depth at defensive end? Not right now. No, we, we're. We're just uh, proceeding with uh, with what we got there. We do have enough bodies. We got seven or eight bodies there, and so it's uh, it's not like we have a shortage. But but uh, you know, we certainly didn't want to lose Max. But but uh, that's the situation we're in. Somebody like Clark Phillips, you know, it's always been talked about that he's best served as a nickelback, but he's he's consistently in the cornerback position. Are you still trying to keep him there, or, or do you want to move him, or what's that For like? The most part, we want to keep him there, but he is fully capable of moving inside if we need him to, and and uh, if we had an injury then you would see that happen. But uh, right 
now he's spending all his time outside, not all his time, but 90% of his time outside and, and still a few reps here and there inside just to stay sharp. How much has he changed in just those, you know, five games plus the, the offseason? A lot. He made a bunch of plays today. Clark had a really good day. So did uh, Travis Broughton. Did the five games largely have that impact for a lot of guys? A lot of guys, and particularly the young guys, you know, the freshmen and, and the sophomores that haven't played much football. That was invaluable experience, and it is paying off right now. But I'm sure every team in the country has got the singing the same song. You know, they had their guys get some experience, and it didn't count against them. So. Was, was JT better? Uh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. No, it's you got to be more aggressive. Was, was JT better last season than maybe what you anticipated going into the year? He was. Uh, we thought he was going to be pretty good. He turned out to be very good. And and uh, it's not a big surprise because of his skill set and his the tools that he has. He was, a, you know, the state champion in, in the sprints in Oklahoma, and he's got he's six foot and and or just shy of six foot, and he's 190 pounds, and he's got it all. I mean, he looks like a prototypical corner. He's got that blazing speed, and he put it together sooner than we thought he would. But but we we had an inkling that he was going to be good, but he exceeded that. How's Jalen Dixon been on his return? Good, good. It's uh, he seems to be in a, a good place, and uh, he's had three good practices, and he gives us that speed up the field, that vertical stretch that that we need. He's one of the, one of the guys that can do that for us. You'd mentioned a couple of playmakers the other day that were maybe not in the shape you wanted them to be in. Is that impacting their reps? No, we're force feeding them. Okay. They're force feeding the reps, and we don't care if they're tired. They keep going and and just play themselves into shape. And and we have made progress in these three days with that. On Wednesday, you talked about the leadership on this team, and you kind of compared it. It reminded you of 2019. Uh, should parallels be drawn to that whole team? Because that was an 11-win season. It gets people excited. Or is it just the leadership and the other factors that are different? Well, it's leadership. It's uh, depth. It's talent. You know, we had a very talented team. I can't remember how many guys we had drafted off that team, seven, eight, nine guys. But, but uh, and this, my guess is this year we'll see the same production in the draft with this group. But, uh, you know, it's not exactly like that team. Every team has its own personality and, and its own uh, just way of going about their business, but there are a lot of similarities. From a, a logistical standpoint, was it a big deal to move from outdoors to indoors given the air quality? No, not really, uh, particularly since there was no live work. You know, if it's live work, it gets a little tight in here, but but uh, when we're in our uh, just the helmets and shorts, it was doable. And and uh, so, yeah, we hope it clears. Is it supposed to clear up or, or get better? We hope so because we're going to be in the stadium tomorrow and we're hoping to be able to do that. That's Can what we're scheduled speak for. to the development of Ben Renfro and Cole Bishop? Ben Renfro, he's, he's starting to... Uh the light switch is starting to come on for Ben. He moved back. He spent all last spring at receiver, almost all last spring. We had to move him over there when we had some guys go down. He's back at safety, and he's had a good first three days. He obviously worked hard in the offseason to uh, get himself up to speed and, and become a better player. And then uh, Cole Bishop is uh, a guy that we have. It, it, Nate Ritchie, part two, is what Cole Bishop is. He's, he's a freshman that's mature beyond his years. His readiness to play is beyond a, a freshman, and uh, you'll see him playing this year. There's Kyle Whitting meeting with the media. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we got Robbie Bosco, former BYU quarterback, former BYU assistant coach. When it comes to quarterback battles, now he can stop the spin and talk freely. Robbie's next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Former BYU quarterback, former BYU quarterback coach, now working in development. Robbie Bosco joined PK and I in the show Friday to discuss the BYU quarterback battle and how he thinks it's really shaping up. Robbie, have you got a new title? No. Oh, really? <laughs> I mean, it's been the same title for like the last 17 years. <laughs> okay, so fine. It's, yeah, it's all the same. They they may people call me different things all the time anyway, so that's probably what it is. <laughs> okay, so you're now doing uh, development work. So you're not yeah. in the coaches' meetings. You're not in the grind. So now you can come clean. When there's a quarterback <laughs> battle, how much do yeah. coaches know? And how much is it is is it coach speak like we're going to make these guys compete and make them get better, or how much of it is hey we pretty much know, but I'm not going to gift this thing to you even though I'm pretty sure how it's going to turn out. We got to see if you can really up your game and, and occasionally kids do and throw you a curveball, or if you just really fall apart, you start throwing picks all over the place. I don't want to start you; I'll start the other guy. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. I I, I really believe that going into these situations. Everybody has an idea, at least coaches, of what they want to do, what they would like to see happen. And but it's really good to keep that competitive that competitiveness flowing and kind of open it up and, and see what can happen because you just never know what happens during the summer. Uh, who's working the who's been working the hardest and who's who's made a big jump of of maybe something that they didn't see before. Um, but I, I really believe there's always kind of a game plan going in, and coaches just like to wait almost to the last minute a lot of times before they make an announcement. But um, it'll be interesting. I think at BYU, I think they have three guys that are going to be very competitive. Uh, two of them have had some quality playing time. And uh, we'll just see what happens. So at Utah, they've got two guys, BYU's three. From a coaching perspective, what's the difference there and how you handle it? Well, I think when you have two, you're, you're a little closer to making that decision on who you want that quarterback to be. And so um, I think it might be a little, it's a little, probably a little tougher with three guys. You know, they're all fairly close in age. And so you wanna you gotta figure out things on how to make everybody happy. Even with even with Utah, if they have two guys up there, you do not want someone to say, "Well, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna play here. I want to leave." And because that's kind of what it's coming down to these days is everybody wants to play and nobody's really patient, and um, so that makes it a tough situation as well. But I think both teams are probably in pretty good situations with with what they have and feel pretty good about it. A long time ago, when you were coaching, I heard a story about Ryan Hancock, and he came in third in a quarterback derby. 
and the other two guys were better. But the other two guys got hurt, and he had to go in at Hawaii. And I think the coaches, Lavelle and Norm, and possibly yourself, had pretty low expectations, and then he was great. And I heard a story about they got on the plane for the flight back, and the, and the players were going down the aisle, and, and the coaches were already seeding. And uh, Norm, I think, looked over at Lavelle and said, do you see that coming? And Lavelle, without even looking up, went, nope. And then he went back to practice, and Ryan was bouncing balls at guys' ankles and throwing them five feet over their heads at practice the next week. And they were like, well, it was just a one-off for whatever reason. He had the game of his life. But then he went out there on Saturday, and he was money again. And he actually played really well until he got his, uh, he hurt his knee against the Utes. How often are there these guys who you can't judge in practice? They need the adrenaline of getting chased. And especially with these quarterbacks who are more mobile and you don't want to get them hit in practice, you can't really see what they do until you put them in a game. Yeah, the, the one thing that's benefited that is the NCAA doesn't allow really two-a-days anymore I mean, you don't practice as hard as you used to. You don't scrimmage as much as you used to. So that's kind of a benefit for hopefully hopefully keeping most everybody safe. But going back to the Ryan Hancock thing, it was funny. He would, even in games, he would throw five of the wildest balls. And then all of a sudden, he would throw this beautiful 70-yard in the air, perfect pass. And we're like, okay, <laughs> we're going to give this guy a chance. But the same thing happened with Brandon Dolman. Brandon Dolman, he he just he wasn't a great practice player, and, and this is early on in his career, so it was difficult to really play him because you kind of think that it's going to transgress over to the game, and then you got him in a game, and he was just a different guy, and he was he was the guy, and we really messed probably missed out on a solid year of being able to play that guy. And so, yeah, I mean, it, the, the the trouble with practice, you're always trying to protect, protect, protect. And a lot of these guys, they want they need to be tackled. They want the whistle to be blown because they're going to make plays out of nothing. And there's always a lot of frustration in practice because if you have referees, the whistle's blown early. And that's what you want to happen. But um, in, in games, a lot of times that defensive player can't make that play against the quarterback. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing to juggle right there. So how does that work for Conover? Because you already spoke to how Hall and uh, Romney have decent experience, real experience in real games, not just mop-up duty, but actual games in which it counted and starting by both started games, but Conover comes in with a big rep at a high school down there in the Phoenix area from a Chandler, which is a football powerhouse, but many guys into the NFL plays at a very high level, but yet he doesn't have any college experience. How can you evaluate that? Well, they're very well aware of Jacob's talent and his skill, and so he's he's going to be right in the mix of it. And so... Yeah, you can look at the, the thing is nobody's really had a full season with those other guys. They've had some playing experience, which is great, but they don't have they haven't played like a full year where like this guy is our guy. So he's going to be right in the mix of it, and he's going to be uh, he's going to have a great chance to uh, to play and and see what he can do. 
So I'm curious how often, and you can't really get this out of coaches. Uh, maybe, maybe you can, but you got to be really careful. It's got to be private and off to the side, and even then you may not get it. But you can tell the truth now. How often did you pick the guy who wasn't the better guy, but he had more upside, and you're like, we're going to take some lumps, and the coach or the coaches are willing to lose some games, which can always be dangerous for employment, but they think there's upside down the road, so they'll pay you know short-term pain, long-term game. How often will you pick the guy who lost because he's got more upside? Um, you know, that's kind of – it's just a tough – it's just a tough situation. I, I think – I mean, what you think someone has upside is kind of your opinion. And uh, – so that, that still kind of makes it a tough situation. So I think when it's when it's a true battle and you want to see, you know, what's going to happen, who's who's going to make the difference, who's going to move the chains, and and that's the biggest thing. Uh, the the one thing I really like about Romney is that he does those things. I mean, he I don't know. I really don't know if he has the strongest arm of everybody or the the best release or anything like that. But I do know that he gets rid of the ball and he makes things happen. He's not always throwing the ball downfield, but he's done a great job when he's gone in there. And so it's still a tough little situation to do. Sometimes it's getting guys into games and seeing what they can do in, in, in games that, that can make a difference. But you, you, you kind of go back and forth. I, I would say it's probably a 50-50 thing, the upside to the talent to, you know, what you feel. So interestingly, from Utah and BYU's perspective, the head coaches are coming from the defensive orientation, and their coordinators, Ludwig and A-Rod, have been doing this for a good long while. When it comes time to make a decision – who I mean, I realize the head coach is the bottom line, but how much is he taking the percentage of influence from those veteran coordinators since he's basically coming from the defensive perspective? Yeah, these, these coordinators, they, they've seen, they're with them every day. They're with, they're with them in practice, with them in films. And, and, and the head coaches have to give them a little leeway on, on, on the decisions they make. And um, I would I would say most of them, uh, if not all, will will give that leeway to the the coordinators, the quarterback coaches will. If they're not the coordinator, the quarterback coaches will have some say, and and that's what they talk about a lot in these meetings, in the offensive staff meetings, and even they'll, they'll sometimes get some feedback from the defensive side on who's the toughest to defend. Who gives you a little bit more trouble? And so there's nothing wrong with getting that those uh, help from other people. But the bottom line is, like you said, I think the coordinators will make the big decisions, and then the head coaches obviously will be like, yeah, let's just do that. Let's go with it. Going back to your playing days and then your coaching days, and I heard stories about you telling guys, ha, I went undefeated and got booed. Don't think you're special. Of course you're getting booed. <laughs> have, fans, have fans lightened up in the stadium a little bit? Have expectations dropped a little for BYU quarterbacks? Is most of that happening on social media now? Or is it still as crazy in the stadium on game day as it was when you played and when you coached? 
I think it's still crazy. I mean, social media obviously has taken a lot away from all that kind of stuff, but everybody uh, wants a voice and they want to win and they want to see great play. They still want to three, see the 500 yards a game passing, the four touchdown passes, and that just doesn't happen that much anymore. And so, but it makes it fun. We have passionate fans and, you know, we just got to. They, they, the players just can't worry too much about that. They just got to do their thing and uh, and do the best they can. I remember you once told me, Rob, you said that when you got to college, you didn't even think about playing for a couple of years. And you <laughs> knew you were going to be, they even had some JV ball, I think, back in your day, and you were going to do that. And then after two years, you could think about competing for the job. And obviously, it's a whole lot different story, not just here at your level, at the collegiate level, but at the NFL level, which brings me to Zach Wilson, a guy you know very well and have seen play so he's the second pick used to be those guys sat but those high picks they don't sit anymore so with that in mind what do you think he's facing with the Jets as it looks like presumably he's going to be the starter from day one yeah well first of all um Zach is Zach is going to be an exceptional NFL quarterback I mean he's really really good and you know, when you look at when you look at what he can do, it's not about like what he did during the season, although that's part of it. But they really vet these quarterbacks, especially if you're going to be top, taken in the top five. And the things that Zach can do are really special. Now, with that said, he's going to a team that hasn't been been very productive in the last ten, maybe fifteen years. I don't know. And so, it's um. He's not going into an easy situation. But I think from what I hear, they're <laughs> at least they say they're going to be very patient and not really think too much about this year and hopefully look into the future, like in the like the year after, which really isn't a lot. But it's going to be it's going to be tough. It's going to be a uh, a learning experience and you just hope that they can give him enough protection to where he can do some things, but Regardless of who you are, what you're doing, a rookie quarterback put into a situation to try to lead an NFL team to the playoffs, Super Bowl, what have you, it's very, very difficult. And uh, it's not going to be easy, but, you know, I, I think Zach is uh, Zach's a very studious guy and, and, and knows what he's doing, so I think he, he's going to be okay. All right, before we let you go, Robbie, because I've known you a long time and I like you, if you want to walk back that exceptional comment, I'm going to let you do it. But you know how no. the media is. You no. feed us exceptional. How are we not going to replay that a million times? Because that was an exceptional comment. That's why. <laughs> Don't walk it back. Up your game. I'm going rookie of the year, Bosco. I'm up in it. That's where I'm at. Look at it. He could be. I mean, what, what's it? How many games did the Jets win last year? Two, two, two I think. Yeah. Now they get to okay. play his seventeenth game. He gets an extra chance. So if he okay. gets him to say, three, let's say he win five or six games. I mean, that's pretty good. You'd want you'd want to put your money in something to get that much of uh, that much of a payback. You know, from your uh, yeah. from that. So I mean, yeah. he, look at he. 
He's gonna be. I think he's gonna do very well. I have no regret. No. Uh, no reason to think that he's going to – he's not going to be a flop, I don't think. I mean, the guy's a very talented quarterback, and I think he's going to do very well as an NFL quarterback. It's just the time. Look at Steve Young. Steve Young went to Tampa Bay. Similar situation. Tampa Bay wasn't very good, and Steve wasn't very good for a few years, whatever it was. He went to the 49ers, played behind Montana for, what, six, seven, eight years? came in and he was a great player so it just makes a difference when you're not rushed into to doing something so you but, want you want Steve to donate because that's your day gig now so you didn't even bring up the USFL time you just blew right through that Steve doesn't want you right to mention yeah he doesn't want you to okay. mention the LA Express he's an NFL Hall of Famer come on <laughs> yeah really man what more do you want that's right alright well we'll let you go Robbie we appreciate the time thanks for joining us all right, thanks, guys. Thanks, All right. Robbie Bosco, former BYU quarterback and former BYU quarterback coach, join us. Coming up next, Dustin Smith. He has been he's been tutoring quarterbacks for a long time. Now he's the head coach at Spanish Fork High School. He's coming up next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Right now, it's time to talk football with Dustin Smith, QB Elite co-founder and coach. He's now Spanish Fork High School's head coach and he joins us on the smart rain guest line it's no secret that utah is in an extreme drought that's why smart rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation find out more at smartrain.net dustin good morning hey good morning guys dustin you had a perfectly good gig going and then you went and messed up and became a high school football coach. And you got to deal with parents who are sure their kid is the next Tom Brady and Kyle Van Oy, and they want more playing time. Dustin, what were you thinking? Don't you have friends who can talk you out of these rash moves? <laughs> I had several friends that, that, and I don't have many. So that when I say several, that's about all of them that said, uh, "What are you doing? You're crazy." But it's. Uh, Especially last year. Last year was my first year doing it as a head coach, and I walked into such a unique circumstance with all the the high school football restrictions and COVID and everything. But, man, I'll tell you, as hard as it was, there were a lot of headaches, a lot of things you don't you, you miss uh, that gets taken from you. But the boys are – we have such good young men in our state, and being able to work with them, it's, it's, it was a lot of fun. So, Dustin, are we going to have a big matchup with you down at Spanish Fork versus uh, American Leadership down there in Queen Creek, Arizona? Because your guy, I think that's where Ty Detmer's coaching, right? Yeah, Ty's down in Ty's, Ty and Max Hall and Dennis Pitta. They got they got quite the coaching staff down there. They're all down there in Queen Creek, and we uh, we actually took a we did bring some boys down there this winter, and, and probably thirty other Utah boys went down there and did a little clinic with uh with his guys and spent some time together with max and ty in the film room and 
and doing some things. I don't know that we'll ever play each other. They'd have to come up here to play. We're not. It's too hot down in Arizona. They, they'd have to come here. Need to do to one up them. Get Brandon Doman and Chad Lewis on your staff. <laughs> there we go. Good idea. Yeah, I'll pull that. I, I know Brandon and Chad are smart enough not to hop into high school football. <laughs> So we are curious with uh, quarterback battles going, and I assume your eye never goes far away from a good quarterback battle. With quarterback battles going at Utah and BYU, do you think either coaching staff is uh, just saying there's a quarterback battle and you know what's going on, or do you think these are real quarterback battles, there isn't much separating, and how these guys perform in practice is going to have a lot to say on who starts the opener? I think they know who's going to start the opener right now. I do think that they're they may not be 100% committed to that guy being the guy all year no matter what, where maybe in past years you you kind of knew that you were going to you know ride somebody a little bit longer even if they struggled a little bit. Um, I think because of the depth uh, at BYU and some guys who've had some experience, um, you know, that I think they know who the guy is going to be, but they may have a little shorter uh, leash with that. At, at, at Utah, I think there's a legit battle there. I, I'm not as confident that they're certain on who their guy is, and they're wanting to get a little bit more uh, time with them this camp to make that decision. So Jaron Hall's a local kid. The other two kids from uh, BYU and their competition are from out of state. What do you know about these guys? Uh, from Just from what I've heard, I know Ty um, – knew a little bit about him and and i've talked to you know some coaches on staff i haven't seen the only one outside of jaron that's there now that i've seen personally or worked with personally is is nick billups who just transferred from utah uh to byu the other guys i haven't personally spent time with other than jaron so but what i've heard of them both from others who have worked with them or been around them or recruited them and some of the guys that are much closer to the program um, is that they they really like all of them. And they, they have some unique uh, abilities. That's, kind of, I think, why it's kind of a, an interesting battle is that they, they, they all have some strong suits that uh, maybe the other guys don't quite have. And so I, I think BYU is trying to pick, well, which is the guy that, I guess, A, best fits their offense, and then B, has the most um, – you know that, that that has the the, the best abilities and and it's three or four different areas that you have to have to be a successful quarterback and that's why I feel like uh, of the group Jaron probably possesses the, the most of all of the areas as far as decision making and and athleticism and experience and leadership and and arm strength and those sort of things accuracy so I'm I'm guessing that Jaron will be the guy to start but. These other guys are right on his hill, which, you know, I think is – I really personally feel like it's a good thing if you've got mature quarterbacks that that don't turn on each other. If they let it be something that motivates and pushes each other to be better every day, um, I think it's a good thing. Dustin Smith joining us, QB Elite co-founder, now the head coach at Spanish Fork High School. I'm just curious in these quarterback battles, so many coaches – want the mobile quarterback and the guy who can you know slip out of a tackle and and make a play throwing the ball downfield or just taking off and running for a big game and yet you can't really see that in practice because the whistle blows and the play stops so I know they want to evaluate these guys 
And it's tricky evaluating pocket passers, but when you throw in the mobile quarterback, it seems like they know who they're going to go with and they're going to go with that person because they can't possibly be evaluating some of that stuff in practice. Yeah, that's hard to – you're right. That's hard to see how a kid, you know, uh, slips out of a tackle or something because you're right, they're, it's a quick whistle and they're not letting him slip out of tackles. The whistle's being blown before he gets hit. But I think you can tell – in other ways, there's other ways to see if, if the quarterback's mobile and if he can move and and ways to know that, all right, we got a guy that can slip out of stuff, can step up and exit. And But none of these guys, I, I don't think any, well, I shouldn't say anywhere in the country. I'm sure there are some countries that want their quarterbacks uh, taken off and, and are okay with that. I don't think at BYU they really want their quarterbacks getting too loose back there. I, I think they want him to be able to move around and roll out and and do some things, but you know, and, and specifically in the case of Jaron, you know, he's, he's got to be extra careful because of the injury bug and the concussions and the different things that my guess is they, they like the fact that he can do some things and that they can move the pocket with him and, and use his athleticism to kind of stretch the field east and west a little bit back there, but I don't think they're super uh, encouraging on the idea of him taking off and taking on linebackers because last time he did that, at you know a guy at Utah State uh, knocked him out at, down at the goal line. So, you know that's an important thing for Jaron in particular is learning how to how to get hit and how not to get hit hard and and or not get hit. And that's obviously easier said than done but there's ways that he can position himself when he's going in or stepping out or sliding or whatever to try to avoid that big hit and get his head out of the way because you know that that could be the that's the biggest red flag as it relates to him and question mark it relates to him is he plays so hard and he is so athletic and he's so competitive that that's going to be I think a hard thing for him to do to pump the brakes a little bit there and to a degree, you probably don't want him to because that's what you love about him is that playmaking ability. But it's super important that he does not take those those big hits this year and end up with another concussion. Yeah, and we know he's got the athletic ability playing college baseball himself and all that stuff and being able to do a lot of different things. Uh, what I'm not sure, and you'd have a better idea of it, evaluate him as an accurate passer. He's gotten, you know, he, he, he's gotten more accurate, but he's always been accurate. And he, you know, I, in the case of Jaron, even when he went on his mission, I get asked about him, and there was a, a lot of people immediately just assumed he was going to come back and they were going to turn him into a running back that, or, a, you know, a slot receiver or something, that he was an athlete that, you know, threw the ball in high school, and so they made him a quarterback. And, and I never looked at Jaron that way. I really looked at him as a thrower who could run. But his 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 arm strength has always been uh, elite, and he can make the throws. He's gotten more accurate, and he spent a lot of time, a lot of time that people don't know about, working on his accuracy and not have not playing baseball these last two years, being able to focus because really that development doesn't happen at camp. It doesn't happen in the summer. You're, you kind of are what you are at this point. Now you're, it's can you do it in the scheme of the offense and can you do it against um, disguised coverages and, and these sort of things. It's The development happens 
in the winter and spring as it relates to body movement and balance and mechanics and all that sort of thing. And that was hard to do when you're in a batting cage all winter, you know, you're out <laughs> taking fungo all spring. So for, so for Jaron to be able to, for the first time in his life, focus on football in the winter and the spring, not only physically, but mentally to have his head in that I'm a football player and, uh, and, and really dive into that. He's had an improvement just in the last year, even in, in even in his body, if you see him, he's he's trimmed up. He's he's more fluid and elastic in how he moves. He's just he's trained differently, so he, he wasn't as stiff and bulky and 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 strong. Um, you know, Taysom Hill had to do that when Taysom came out. He was so strong his upper body that there were some things in his mechanics when he threw a football that were you know that, that were were. Um, um, he got in trouble with because he was just so he was still stiff and he had to loosen up and and, and do some things to fix it. But Jaron's done a great job. The people around him have done a great job, and and uh, so I, I think he's in a, a really good position, both mentally and physically. And he's he's plenty accurate. I'm not worried about the accuracy. Dustin Smith joining us, QB League co-founder and coach, Spanish Fork High School football coach as well. So at the U, they had a transfer from the SEC. Everybody was fired up. It didn't work out. Now they got a transfer from the Big 12. Should everyone be fired up? Or Big 12 defenses are really subpar, so uh, slow your roll. No, I think I think they've got a good quarterback, and I, and I think that you know, the, the Big 12 still has plenty of, of, of great, great football and defenses and things out there. I, you know, I, I personally wish that the University of Utah would look more locally for quarterbacks. I think that there are plenty of good quarterbacks that have gotten away from here um, that I think could have helped Utah. I think there's some right now playing at even some other colleges in state that are as good as, as guys they have up there at Utah. Um, you know, that's, I'm, I'm sure that there's plenty of people that would disagree with that, but I, I'm pretty, feel pretty strongly about the kids we've had in Utah. And, 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 and when I say locally, I even include, you know, Arizona and Idaho in that just right here, close to us, there have been some very, very good quarterbacks. I, I don't understand why they, we've got to find these guys, you know, clear across the country when there's plenty of really good ones here that don't get looked at and haven't been offered I, I, I would like to see a little bit more push to keep some of those guys here because they're going and playing other places and they're good but but no Utah's got they've got some good quarterbacks and, and I think they've got a, a, a good group back on you know at, at their position um, their position guys their skill guys and obviously with the defenses that they they're able to put out every year, um, you know it's a good place to play if you're a quarterback because you're usually going to have a really good running back, and you're going to have a defense that gets you gets off the field and gets you the ball back. So I think that uh, I think they're fine there, but I do think they don't know there's a battle going on. I'm not certain they're sure on who their guy is right now. Also, too, for BYU, from the receiver perspective, a couple of local kids that you would have knowledge of joined the program, and those are the Nakua brothers, particularly Puka, who had all sorts of credentials. Uh, how do you think they're going to be able to help the Cougars this year? Uh, I think that's huge for BYU. I really do, I, especially with the schedule they have this year. They, they're going to play some, some corners. Uh, there's some secondaries they're going to see this year that 
have some really, really good players and some teams that are going to be able to do some man-to-man on BYU and, and maybe even, you know, put another guy up in the box and try to, uh, you know, address BYU's run game with another guy. They, then they've got to have some athletes outside that can beat guys. If not, you know, that's where a de- an offense is really going to find themselves in trouble is if a team can overwhelm them with athleticism out on the outside on the receivers and then load the box. And, and I think there's been years when BYU has played the types of teams that they seems like they're playing every week this year where they can do that. And, and you know, that that's the quickest way to make a quarterback look mediocre is to take away a run game and put him in third and ten all game long and, and make him throw into the teeth of a defense that now knows, you know, that you're throwing the ball. And, and then you get a quarterback struggling. And, and so BYU's ability to have a couple playmakers, a couple guys that can beat one-on-one corners and that you have to have a, a, some safety help. And I think those two are going to be – as super important to the quarterback success, but I think they're also going to be as important to the success of the run game for BYU because teams are are, are going to have to decide: do they want to keep guys near the box and and let BYU run the ball, or do they want to uh, you know go out and help against these receivers? Who both of those guys, if if you're not careful, if you put the wrong guy on them, you know they'll take it to the house. They're that good. All right, one last question. I need you to handicap high school football. You can beg off if you want, but you don't seem the kind of guy who begs off, Dustin. Is anybody going to beat PK's Corner Canyon Chargers? Are we looking at a fourth undefeated season for the Chargers? I don't. There's some really good teams in 6A. There's Really, there's four, and four or five, and then everybody else is just, I think, kind of their, their warm-up game for those five teams. Um, I think that Sky Ridge and American Fork, Bingham, uh, Lone Peak maybe have a chance. That every I think everybody else is sort of in a tough spot. They just have so many athletes at those schools. But I, I Corner Canyon, they're so well coached. They have so many guys. They're so strong. I I don't think so, but there are some pretty good teams. Those other teams I mentioned are pretty loaded as well and. I think could at least you know they'll they'll push him, but Sky Ridge I think almost got him last year uh, in the regular season, and um, but it it I'd be surprised if Corner Canyon didn't win it again. Dustin, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Good luck with your team at Spanish Fork, and we'll talk to you again later on. All right, thanks, guys. There's Dustin Smith. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.